What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hey Look. Listen, I am Owen O'Reardon. Joining me today, one of my besties. He's back in Ireland. He's wearing a cute little, what would you call it, Liam? I'm wearing a dressing gown. <laughs> oh, it's what I'm wearing. It brings it out your eyes. Much. I am home in Ireland again. And just a little uh, a little point I need to make before we start. You know, I, I was on a plane yesterday. I don't know. I'm a little bit run down. I'm a little bit sniffly. I'm a little bit snotty. I'm a little bit sneezy. These are things that every podcast listener wants to hear. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna get rid of most of it through editing. But I just need, I just need a, a little bit of a warning beforehand. Yeah, well, you know, Liam, we are going to be talking about your one of your favorite games of all time today that mm-hmm. I'm super excited to talk about. But before we get into it, a bit of housekeeping. Um, yeah. First of all, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. Gosh, thanks for, thanks for coming back, everyone. We love exactly. you. Exactly. You know, we're on um, episode 34, Liam. Yeah, and you know, can I, uh, can I talk about that? Because you, no. know what I, you know what I mean? Um, you know, every episode was consistently me, you, and Marcy, but now it's a little bit more. We have to kind of mix it up, and, and that's great. We're getting, like, more people on the podcast. We're kind of mixing up. I really want to go back and take my first solo ones and number them properly good because i'm i'm really anal about stuff like that <laughs> and I, but i just couldn't be bothered because i have to change the number of every episode so i think we're actually on episode like 37 8 maybe 38 actually um it's not exciting it's you know a, a peek behind the wizard of oz curtain here for <laughs> anyone who doesn't podcast it's like when it gets distributed through the channels it, it, it puts the uh the number on there for you so i think even though it might say episode 30 Five thirty-four on this one, it would actually be thirty-eight. Why are we are we boasting about this number? Or you just wanted to bring it up. No, I'm just letting everyone know that there's some <laughs> amazing backlog catalog for people to listen to if they are new to the show, Liam. Um, if people are returning, of course, thank you so much. We do this for you guys. We do it for us. We do it because I get to see Liam's beautiful face about once a month. And I'm um, in a dressing gown. Dressing dressing gown. Gown. Didn't have one honest, in Sweden. Yeah. I didn't have a dressing gown in Sweden. So as soon as I got back to Ireland, I'm like, boom, dressing gown. I'm wearing slippers. Can't see that on. I'm just, I'm full on, like, just home now. For now. You anyway. know, yeah, every time you go back, it's just a little bit more Hugh Hefner. Every, every time. <laughs> but of course, Liam, we are chatting about one of your favorite games. It might lift your spirits a bit. Is it one of your favorite games? On? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what we do. We don't talk beforehand, so I, these exciting revelations are for the viewers and they're for me. Um, well, that, it's so we're talking about, as the title of this episode suggests, we are talking about a Shadow of the Colossus, which uh, released originally in 2005 on the PlayStation 2. And since its release has seen re-releases in the remastered version for the PlayStation 4 and the remake version which released on the playstation 4 which i've played a couple of weeks ago in the lead up to this episode so did i actually i I actually played it a couple of months ago because we're supposed to do this episode a couple of months ago (laughs) more more hidden backstory more (laughs) hidden backstory um liam yeah tell me why i don't you are the way you are um it's it's the dressing gown i'm 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 mainly (laughs) These days, I'm mainly dressing gown. It's 90% so of my So funny enough, Liam, you actually introduced me to this game. Did I? My yeah, God. you did. So this game is made by a guy called Fumito Ueda, right? He's one of I, one of the, like, not, not including your Hideo Kojimas, he's one of the first kind of auteurs I knew personally. And he'd made a game previous that is called uh, Ico, which I always call Ico. And I know I'm wrong, but I can't. I just get my brain won't. It's spelled ICO for those people who yeah, are familiar with it. Yeah, Eco and the, yeah, and uh, I was aware of Eco, but I'd never played it. And Shadow of the Colossus was all over his second game, second game from his team, which are called Team Eco. It was all over the internet back in the day, and I just thought it looked incredible. The concept of uh, you're a lone wanderer on a horse, and you and the only, the only gameplay is fighting 16 gigantic creatures called Colossi. It just seemed so unique at the time. And I remember in Europe, uh, and I don't know if this happened anywhere else, but they uh, re-released Eco on the same day as Shadow of the Classes. Interesting. Yeah, which was pretty cool for me, because I hadn't played Eco, so I remember, I don't know why, uh, but I, my parents gave me the money. I went down and I bought two games. I, went, I bought Eco and Shadow of the Classes. And this could be me rewriting history in my head, as people are wont to do. 
I remember, and I, this could be completely wrong, but it could be romanticizing this. I remember the guy at GameStop being super impressed. Was it GameStop guy? No, not, <laughs> no, I hate, no, I hate, no, that's the, no, I hate that guy. <laughs> you know the guy I'm referring to? Yeah, 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 that guy, he used to work in GameStop, right? One time, complete digression now. <laughs> One time I, I was at work and I was a young, I was about 19, I'd say, and I, I, I worked near GameStop and I wanted to go in and buy the third Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney game, Trials and Tribulations, which had come out that day. And I went in and he was, I was like, can I buy it? And he was like, oh, we actually haven't opened the stock yet. And I was like, all right, I'll come back on my next break. And he was like, oh, we haven't opened the stock yet. You know, it's all, it, it, we haven't, but it's in boxes. I can't sell it to you. I was like, oh, I really need to get this Ace Attorney game. <laughs> and then I went back and I was all like, is it open yet? And he's like, no, I'm so sorry. And then he said, like, I was like, oh, what's happening? And he's like, I know we need to open it for all these Ace Attorney fans. And I went, yeah, I'll come back later. And as I was walking away, I was like, no, he was being super fucking sarcastic. He was being a prick to me. But I was the only person in Limerick GameStop going in and asking for this game, and he was being sarcastic. So that's the bad GameStop guy. You could even say objection, Liam. <laughs> objection, but this GameStop guy, I think I remember him being like, you know, I, I'm selling I'm selling FIFA all day. This, I'm, just, I'm, re- I'm writing this in my head now. I'm selling FIFA all day, and look at this young man coming in buying these two auteur-driven fantasy games for the PlayStation 2. But anyway, huge digression. That was I remember buying both those games, and I was... Um, Super hyped for Shadow Classes, and even though it was the second game, I played it first because it was the new game, and uh, that that was that's my backstory with it. Mine is because you just sang its praises. Um, I'm actually not sure if I borrow. I might have borrowed it from from you. Yeah, I might be rewriting history now as well, but I'm fairly certain that I borrowed it from you. Very good, and then actually purchased it myself because you just sung the praises of it, and. The appeal for me at the time, which is actually a huge appeal for me now, was, oh, you can get through it in like five or six hours. Yeah, it's true. I forgot how short it was until I replayed it recently. I mean, it's short the first time you play it. But when you replay it, and even though I hadn't played it in years, so it wasn't completely fresh in my head. But when you have some idea of what you're doing in this game, when it's not all completely new to you, man, this game is like four hours, four and a half hours, maybe. Yeah, the first time, um, six definitely hours, a bit six longer, hours, but now six it's hours, like... seven, yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those things as as you progress through the colossi, you know, you, you do the first one in like five minutes, and then the second one is 10 minutes. And then once you're, at, you know, you off the top, you said there are 16. Once you get to like 14-ish, I remember playing it for the first time, and that being like, it took me like an hour to get yeah. through those later colossi. Yeah, well, will, will, will we talk about the gameplay of it and what's, what, what's, what the kind of, or the story in the gameplay? You kind of play as this lone wanderer, as like I said. His name is Wander. Yep. Never said in the game, but that's his name. And uh, he he rides into this ancient land with a dead girl on, on, on his horse. And the premise is in this ancient land, there's an old god who can uh, resurrect people mm-hmm. but the price is you got to go kill these 16 colossi which are these massive ancient creatures that take various forms and i remember when i like this has always been on the back of my mind but it really stood out this time when i replayed it especially in this day and age mm-hmm. i was just so fascinated by how focused and paired back the game is just how it's like this is the premise this is what you're doing you know and like there is a couple of little sidey things you can do, little items you can collect, kind of lizard tails and fruit and, and whatever. Those, like but, increase your stamina. Yeah, but they're not they're... even necessary. They're kind no. of you know a little added kind of um, help for you. But um, whatever, that's just I never really engaged with that part. It's never been my thing. But uh, I just love these days, especially just how completely they, they they had a premise and they were like, this is what we're doing. No side quests. No kind of you know no venturing off to do here no kind of and, and no kind of fat to trim it's just mm-hmm. very focused even though there's a big empty world to explore in it it's one of the most kind of focused um games i've ever played i i love it i love it for that no the, you know when i say that it wasn't or it isn't one of my favorite games of all time it's you know i'm fully fully okay with saying that it's not but that doesn't mean that you know i don't love this game yeah. And I think that was far more apparent during the the amount of time that I got to spend with it over the last couple of weeks. So I, I think I got around 10 Colossi true. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. There was 
the the purposeful empty world to this was it, the beauty of it um really stood out to me this time because you know we've we've now played the likes of breath of the wild which has definitely taken uh influence from this i think some modern open world games have but everything is so purposeful and there is a i've spoken about this before but there is a mood to being in that open world yeah, it, I, I, a, there feels like a rich history that you can't dive into because it only gives you just the tip of information. You know? For sure. I, I would describe this game as, as a mood piece, honestly. And in a way that a film might use a certain type of cinematogra- cinematography to kind of convey its mood, I think the open world in Shadow of the Colossus is there strictly to convey the tone, to convey the atmosphere, to com- convey the mood of the game, rather than being this kind of, um, like most open world games, to be this kind of sandbox to explore, which is kind of why I never engaged with the side collecting of the lizard tails that increase oh, yeah. your health or whatever, and the fruit, I can't remember, because as soon as you're kind of noodling around in this world trying to find things, it actually becomes quite tedious. But as a kind of um, a desolate open world that kind of, you know, utilizes quietness, utilizes nature sounds very well, and just kind of divides the 16 boss fights, It it's pretty much doing most of the carrying of the weight of uh, the feeling of this game. And yeah. it's, I think it's interesting to that they created a world just to do that, rather than, you know, any kind of real strictly gameplay reason, if that makes sense. And like the the foreshadowing that happens even within the opening sequence, which you don't have control over, where um wanderer is with aggro um and uh what is it mono yeah that's his horse we forgot Uh, to mention that didn't we aggro is the horse and mono is the corpse (laughs) there we go trifecta (laughs) um but yeah that opening sequence when uh before he comes out into the land and you see him um it's a i think it's a bridge that he comes out onto big old yeah Uh, yeah the the foreshadowing of the scale of the world and the characters that are alive in it actually just completely blew me away. And, and of course, you know, Liam, it goes without saying we were playing the remake version, which, um, you know, even now as, you know, a PlayStation five owner and player, I was like, holy shit, this looks like, this looks incredible. Obviously it's, you know, a remake from the ground up from the PS2 area, but that is something that is always stuck with me to a certain degree, which is, scale scale and more scale yeah and the kind of the art style and like i like i said the atmosphere and things like the music do um wonders to convey that world but i always remember it, it was quite late in the ps2's life or was i remember it being what yeah i remember in this latter half anyway it was it it was it was Shadow of the Colossus and God of War wasn't it the, like those... God of War 2 even God of War 2 was right at the end i remember like i, I think, think that was PS2... even released when the PlayStation 3 had released. I think, I think you're right. And I always remember as beautiful as Shadow of the Colossus was on the PS2, and it, re- it really was. Like I said, they used kind of a lot of artistic tools to make it beautiful. The PlayStation 2 was visibly struggling <laughs> to run it. There was a lot of screen tear and texture popping and slow a bit of slowdown. Oh, yeah, the slowdown. The slowdown was the... was your You know, people joke online, but like, the slowdown and the frame rate were your biggest enemy, as well yeah. as the camera. As, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, when we we'll start talking about those classi in a second, and we can talk about more of the kind of fundamental problems. But um, which I, which I just kind of getting to the fact that it was never a game that, like, when it was announced being remade from the ground up, I was kind of going, really, it's like, does it need to to be? Especially when we got like already a HD version of it. But having played it for the first time now in this new version, I was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of what it always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I said, as beautiful as it was in the PlayStation 2, that console could barely run the thing. Yeah. You know, something that before we do go into the intricacies of, you know, the class I and the gameplay mechanics itself, just the pure vagueness of everything to do with that story, Liam. Yeah. Is, it's, it's so... It's very much it, show, don't tell. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, a level of interpretation, you know, required. I'm sitting here with a Twin Peaks background uh, for this episode (laughs) because Twin Peaks is 
everything that I love in life. And it's something <laughs> similar, right? It's 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 a mood piece. It's open to interpretation. There's no here is the answer. And there's always a sense of like, you know, what is actually what's, you know, curiosity because of what is actually going on here. It's bookended by two very long cutscenes. It has a very long opening cutscene and has a very long ending cutscene. And everything in between that is sort of told mostly through the gameplay. And like you said, it's very vague and open interpretation. And I've said this before, I think, sometime on the podcast. Like, we've done 30-something episodes, haven't we? And I can't remember oh, what episode yeah. anymore. So much, so much content. But um, for me, Shadow of the Colossus was um, a huge learning experience for me. It came out right at the age uh, when I was, like, you know, a teenager. I'd say I was about 15, 16 when I was kind of, you know, starting to, you know, starting to dig into art and entertainment more than I would have been and more kind of uh, how they're pieced together. And I learned a lot about storytelling through gameplay from Shadow mm. of the Colossus. It opened my eyes to a lot of ways that uh, games could convey story, could convey tone, could convey anything without going into a cutscene, just through your experience as a gamer. And I think, like you said, the fact that the game is so open interpretation, I think that's not only just what's the backstory of this world, you know, what, what what's the history of this world. I think it's also open interpretation of what, what, what what's the emotion of this game mm-hmm. is. Are you a hero? Are you a hero? Are, are, is, is this a just quest you're on? Like, what are these creatures? Uh, you don't, you don't know exactly what they are, but even beyond that, are they, do they deserve this? Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, everything <laughs> that came your way, but it's, it's, well, no, it's great. Right. Because they, it seems like from my, and you know, what I gathered from it, and this is what's great, right. Yeah. Um, it's not black and white, you know, my experience of, 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 you know, playing with those class. I, this time was, <laughs> there was a sense of entrapment and okay. every time I went into an area, you know, it feels like it's closed off and opens up again. And it feels like this, you know, this beast, this is their area. This is where they belong. This is their home. And I'm an invader. Yeah, you're just stomping into it. And they, 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 there are 16 of them and they take different shapes and forms. And But they also have different temperaments. And some of them, you know, I mean, just sorry, I'm saying this as if it's procedurally generated or something. It's not. This is a very heavily scripted game. These are Correct. very deliberately designed bosses. But I'm just saying in the way that they're designed, they have different temperaments. And some of them do kind of, you know, they come across as kind of quite scary and aggressive and they're coming at you. But a lot of them are just chilling. Are just, <laughs> they, they, they just seem like they're, they, they exist in this place. And because of their design, uh, they're so kind of, they feel like they're a part of nature come alive. They feel like impossibly old. And you it, it feels sort of um, disrespectful, sacrilegious, just plain wrong to climb onto these things and kill them to death. It feels, well, Liam, it, you know, it doesn't feel quite heroic. It doesn't feel quite just. I know. And that's exactly what um, member number three, Jonathan Morrissey, is doing on his safari right now. So shout out yeah, to Morrissey. He's killing hippos, isn't he? He loves uh, <laughs> oh, More endangered, he says. The more, the more <laughs> endangered, the better. Loves it. Uh, so t- Liam, talk about the the moment-to-moment gameplay um, yeah. and, and, how, and how this game works. Because it's... It's unrefined. It has great, you know, it has great ideas, but I would oh. say it's oh yeah, it's definitely it's, unrefined. It's almost too ambitious. I would say, was it a kind of ahead of its time in a good way or a bad way? If that makes sense, you know, was the PlayStation Two with all its uh, graphical capabilities, what it could convey, uh, was that was this the right time to make a game where you're climbing gigantic creatures that are in motion? And funny enough, the uh, Ueda has a history now of this with his. Uh, am I correct yeah. in saying that the Last Guardian was after Shadow of the Classes? Oh yeah, well after it's his third game, but it, there was good eleven years or some of that between them, eventually or something like that. But uh, yeah, um, so the moment to moment gameplay is uh, like we said, you ride on your horse, aggro. You hold up a beam, your sword to the light, and it shoots a beam in a direction, and that tells you where the next colossus is that you need to fight. And that's the structure of the game, right? Isn't you just keep doing that? Kind of repetitive would be if the game was any longer uh, the way it is. Uh, the structure of it, the kind of uh, repetitiveness of it, kind of works in its favor. I, uh, I, I think for this length, but I think what you're really getting at is when you're fighting these colossi, kind of what are you doing? And you're basically climbing gigantic creatures that are in motion, and they're kind of look like they're made of 
stone and fur stone armor yeah yeah and so and they have weak points on them but now like to kind of you know it's really kind of um demonstrated like one of them is a gigantic first one is almost i would describe as a big ogre perhaps but there's ones that is one's a gigantic bird one is like an on a big gigantic electric eel they take many forms and it really it really um, plays with your expectations as you go forward where not all of them are quite colossus as well you know one of them Correct. is kind of bulls one of them's kind of bull sized it's actually a really kind of um cool mix up but you're looking for weak points on their body and you're literally trying to climb to the weak points and stab them with your sword. And you also have a bow at your disposal, but bow, your bow can't hurt them, but you can use it for various reasons. Like you can... A distraction. A distraction or... Their attention, or, yeah. Yeah, or distraction or maybe make, uh, hit it in a certain point and it might move its hand in a way that is beneficial to you. But I remember watching footage of this game back in the day and just being... I, I was like, I haven't seen anything like this before. This is amazing. And I kind of fall on the side own of thinking... I'm glad that they tried to do this in the PlayStation 2. And I still think it's like such a worthy game, but it's hugely imperfect in the gameplay regard because climbing a gigantic creature that's walking around, that's fla- flailing around, and like they, they're designed so well to kind of, you know, be upset that you're on them. So they're trying to shake you off. They're moving their bodies. And I don't think the camera is quite up to the task a lot of the time. And also the controls are kind of bad. They're they're definitely unique. Yeah, and you know? it's not really it's not it's not a they're dated thing because games didn't control like this in two thousand and five. You know. Yeah, like it's interesting because the um, wander himself is very floaty, and that's what I found. You yes. know, so as in like yeah, there's a simple jump button, and you can program yourself, you know, to remember the basics because there actually isn't that much combinations. There isn't. That much you can actually do, you know, stab, um, jump, um, hold, like climb, hold. Um, so really, you're talking about like potentially like a you know four button um, combination when you're in battle. But what I found is someone like Wanderers is, is you know is just completely um, floaty. So he just doesn't move very naturally. I I, I think it's on purpose. Um, but that, that I wouldn't say. It's definitely unique controls, but also purposely feeling, um, I think it's just a bit odd. And it is different in the new version. They have altered the controls, refined them a little bit, but it still feels weird, but just in a slightly different way. I don't think it really has changed that much, but I remember initially playing the game and going, this isn't exactly, I, I think back in the day, I kind of acclimated to the kind of ropey PS2 controls and then you know, because I played the game uh, numerous times and now playing this modern one, I kind of had to acclimate to kind of controls that were slightly weird in slightly different ways. But I think um, I do like what you said. That I do like the kind of simplicity of how much of the game is based around uh, gripping onto things. I like the way before you even fight a Colossus, it kind of teaches you that like in most games and these kind of third person mm-hmm. adventure games your character will automatically grab a ledge and hoist himself up in it because why wouldn't he? That's just, you know, good controls. That's good game design. But the fact that this game is based around climbing gigantic creatures, I'm um, clinging on, is a kind of a fundamental part. Yep. You actually, it's, it's so it's assigned to a button. It's or one, I believe, and that's good. That feels good to kind of you know, hold a button to cling onto a thing. But it kind of feels very unnatural, especially when you're doing it on not in the class side, just on the environment. To kind of hop onto a ledge and have to hold or one, and then kind of awkwardly hoist himself up. But it's teaching well, yeah, you. But like we've we've grown to be accustomed with, you know, Nathan Drake automatically <laughs> magneting himself to yeah, you know, yeah, every yeah. single ledge. Yeah. So like it's, you know, so again, I think uh, a mix of that scaling and platforming on just basic rocks with the floatiness, which is kind of there for the Colossi. Yeah. It's like the swaying movement. It translates to the way they've programmed his jump. If you know what I mean, yeah. like it feels it feels really good to watch when <laughs> Wander is swaying and holding on when he's on top of a colossi, um, but it doesn't translate to the basics, the basics of just scaling a wall. And it's funny because it's almost easier to forgive because, like you said, like you just kind of totally analyzed there, you can kind of not really vibe with the controls yet you can see why they why they are the way they are you can see kind of the design philosophy behind them like you aggro your horse 
he kind of like it just compare him to other video game horses he feels kind of more kind of like like a fauna or or whatever well i thought we were doing that for our next episode man (laughs) oh yeah the video game horses episode i can't wait (laughs) i just i'm just saying he feels more like a, a kind of um a living creature that you're like riding that you're like not direct control of and he that feels good because you know it's clearly a lot of effort went into that but by god riding that horse sometimes is a huge fucking pain in the ass so you kind of like like the climbing controls and the floatiness you kind of end up kind of in this middle kind of um or i end up in this kind of middle opinion where i respect all the decisions i think they're all the right decisions but that doesn't translate to the every moment of this game kind of you know not being a huge pain in the ass like i got properly pissed off um in this playthrough with the horse going through like especially when you have to go through woods or anything like that and i just like he's just stopping and he's not running and i just found it like much more annoying than i remember well it's the basic um dousing right as in so that's what they call the holding up of the sword in in zelda which later had our skyward sword later had the same thing of the you know you douse to find your way which is ironic because ueda um had cited that the legend of zelda was his influence for this so it's it's very funny seeing that's kind of loopy as well exactly so zelda influenced this game and then uh this influences Zelda, and then you know the the loop continues. You well, uh, did you did you hear the kind of story that was going around of whatever E three it was? Apparently, um, Shadow of the Colossus was on the show floor, and um, journalists there watching it apparently saw Shigeru Miyamoto um, watching it and looking very into it. And the next Zelda game to come out would have been Twilight Princess. And it wasn't like a full mechanic, but there's a couple of bosses in Twilight Princess, like uh, the eel boss and the kind of big dragon boss where Link is climbing onto these things and like striking them with his sword. And I, th- I think Shigeru Miyamoto was watching that game and going, man, we should be doing this. A bit Fair. of conjecture on my part there, but that's... that's no, uh, that's that's super interesting. And mm. thank you for that uh, leaked rumor, Liam. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. It's what we do here on, on Halo Listen. Um the Colossi themselves. Who's your fave? Okay, yeah. In- I, do you know what? That kind of, you know, very elegantly ties into something I want to say as well about uh, about the general just uh, gameplay of, of, of these classes, Colossi. My favorite one in my memory was, can't remember the number, I think he's 13. He's a gigantic flying snake thing with kind of, I don't, I, I, and he kind of has big fins off him and you fight him in a desert. Yeah, that was number 13. I have it written down here. Hi, you make a big list of Colossi. I did. Nice one. But yeah, he's super epic. You're fighting him in a big desert and he's one of, not not every Colossus uh, utilizes aggro your horse, but some of them do. You got to use um, yeah. aggro to fight them. And he's one of the ones, and it's really epic. You got to shoot. He's kind of, he's kind of got sacks on him. Air sacks. Oh yeah, or underneath his, yeah. Uh, his belly belly. <laughs> you got to shoot. He's got these big sacks. You got to shoot these big white sacks. And that makes his altitude lower. And then you got to like ride aggro alongside him really epically and then leap off aggro and cling onto one of his fins and then climb onto his back. And it's amazing. Uh, it's super like epic for, you know, no better word. But that kind of, you know, kind of leads to kind of, um, and don't worry, Owen, I'll ask what your favorite one is as well. But I just, I just have a point to make. <laughs> but um, it's kind of what really stuck out to me this time is the nature of these of, of these boss fights, the fact that they're big things that you have to climb and scale means that there's a lot of stopping and starting. Because if you fall off one, you're essentially starting the fight from the start. Now, you might have one of their weak points dealt with, so you won't have to, like, if you one guy had a weak point on his arm, you might have dealt with that already, so next time you begin climbing him after you fall off, you can go straight to his head for whatever. But there's a lot of falling off and essentially doing the same thing again. And I think... I think I brought this, this up in our Uncharted episode way back when, but like, uh, there's a very interesting thing about you know, video game uh, dying in video games where I think Uncharted is really cool when everything's going right and it gets a little bit awkward and things are going wrong because they, they're mm-hmm. designing these set pieces to be these kind of you know interactive action scenes. And Shadow Classes has that in spades where fighting a Classes is amazingly epic and it just with the, and the score of this game, the musical score. Oh yeah, the score is. is fantastic and and that and that mingles with what's going on on screen and it's literally creating this like fantasy action thing right in front of your eyes that's interactive but when you fall off and have to start again it's actually quite annoying so my favorite class size is probably still that guy but i fell off him about three or four times and i got kind of bored of fighting him you yeah. know 
Uh, you know what from, I mean? And that's that's the problem, I think, with the game. From my memory, before I had gone back and you know played some of it, um, I would have said the exact same thing. Mm. Um, just because it felt like a combination of everything um, from using your bow and arrow, from riding aggro, from using your sword, from um, actually scaling the class eye itself. It's a combination of everything. And also the the um, the sandbox, you know, literally, because it is uh, in the desert, um, is huge. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I talk about scale with this game. It's not like you're going through little corridors here. You know, it's a huge, vast, open space. Um, the fact that, you know, you're, sh- as you said, Liam, you know, shooting the underbelly to lower the altitude feels epic within itself. But then when it actually gets down and it's kind of, you know, Uncharted is actually very comparable, which is um, in Uncharted 2, when you're actually jumping between the cars um, or the trucks um, going up the, um, you know, the mountain range, it feels amazing when you pull it off. But it's super fucking frustrating when you just like hit the side of the car or hit yeah. the wing, and it's like, oh Jesus Christ! Damn. And, and Nate kind of awkwardly falls away, and it actually kind of looks goofy. And suddenly the magic is sucked away. I kind of Shadow Classes kind of has that as well. Yeah, but now that I've played some of it again, what I've found is there's something about the design of the more humanoidy type of colossi. You know, uh, we said they do come in all shapes and sizes. The one we were just describing is kind of like a pterodactyl eel type um, creature. But, you know, there are colossi who, you know, have limbs, who have feet and arms and are carrying weapons. Yeah. And there's this humanoid type nature to them. And there's something um, unsettling, actually, you know, about that. It's like, you know, what the hell am I fighting here? Yeah. Um and I, I actually think even though it's super, super basic, um, I actually think the first Colossus is um just perfect. Mm. Um, you know, because from a like teaching you the mechanics point of view, how fun the moment to moment is because you can't really F up that much, and how it establishes that scale is just it's just fantastic you know and and we were speaking you know it starts with just a bit of platforming up the mountain so it's like okay you're getting to grips with the grips um but then you walk into this open field and then it's just and and you're not used to playing a game where you're fighting something that big that early no and that's a that's a fantastic point you know Mm -hmm. that that is generally reserved for you know latter um last quarter of games kind of thing you know it, it is it's just pure scale and you're like what is this skyscraper yeah um and you know you you um i forget what you do now but essentially you know you can use your bow and arrow to i i don't know if you get it on its knees and then you climb up its calf i believe you hit the back of his leg which makes him kneel which gives you um a low part of you're, you're grabbing the furry parts of them aren't you his hairy bum yeah gives him a, 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 a hairy bum low enough to grab Exactly. And th- this, but you know, the first Colossi as well also has that hammer. Um, so there, you know, it is holding a weapon. It's like, what the hell is this thing? But, you know, it's a bit of just shock and awe and just pure spectacle. Um, and, you know, it's not like the other ones le- later in the game where the evolution of the puzzle design of the, of this game um, evolves over time as, your your environment becomes part of that overall puzzle. It's you know it's probably it, it is the most basic being the first, but there's just something incredibly special um, to me about that first class. I and as a, as a kind of puzzle game, which it is, how do you how do you find it? How do you find actually sussing out how to defeat the class? I because that can be quite um, vague and kind of difficult to and kind of so figure the, out and, figure out how to get on them or figure out how to where the weak points are. So or that's figure the out thing, right? It's like from the first Colossus, it's, you know, in its most basic form, it's very, very simple. Like, as in, I'm fairly certain that you can speed run that first Colossus in like two minutes, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and then over time, as I said, at the start of the show, it gets takes longer, longer, longer because the game itself evolves into far more of a platforming puzzle 
right? Which is, okay, now I'm being put in this environment or there are these structures around me and you might, you know, you might think nothing of them at first, but there's utility to them. They are part of the puzzle, your environment. It's not necessarily that the classes is the puzzle. The environment is the puzzle and how, um, how the two interact. Um, so it's shifting the mindset, right? It's like, okay, even the first two or three classes are far more based in, you know, simple climb, stab, go to another place to stab. And the classes itself is the puzzle. Um, but then when you get to four and you get to five, it is a case of like, oh shit, how, how do I get <laughs> onto him? I'm, cause I'm, the, the, yeah, the original, like the first few are super easy just to get onto, but it's more about when you're on them, how do you scale them? Or, you know, some po- times the points, um, the points in which you stabbed, you know, stabbed them, um, the focal points, they shift around the body, you know? So, and that, and that's the puzzle on them, but yeah, it's shifting your own mindset over the course of the game to be like, Oh, actually this is far more of a puzzle game than I gave it any credit yeah. for at the very beginning. I, I think puzzle game is one of the most apt things to call it, to be honest, even maybe even more so than an action game, you know? And I actually think there's a, a very good arc of difficulty, an arc of uh, complexity. I think I think the, the 16 Colossi are very deliberately um, chosen in their order, except for the fourth one, which I always found really difficult to suss out. He's kind of the horse one. I, I, I found him fine this time because I played the game many times, but I'll always remember back in 2005 finding him. You, there's a bunch of underground tunnels. Yeah, you have and to. You, you gotta I, I make remember. Him look, I had taken notes on this one, actually. I was, you got to make did, him look did, in. Yeah. You got to kind of lead him around and make him look into one of the tunnels, but from the top of the tunnel. So he kind of bends over and then you got to jump onto his tail. And I just think I would have put him further up. I would have put him a little bit further up, maybe to six or seven classes. But other than that, I think. One of the game, one of the reasons that makes this game very easy to just play and you know you complete very quickly is because the challenge is ramping up in a very elegant and deliberate way, and I've I've always liked that, except for the fourth one. Yeah, no, but you're actually you're not wrong. There is a huge level of patience I think that's required because yeah, you know the the game rewards you when you don't rush into battle. You actually you don't learn anything by going head on. No, they just you step know? on you. <laughs> or something yeah, exactly. or, they, or they move and you just like get bowled over by just their movement or something exactly yeah. as you know it the game pays you reward when you stop and look at you know and and you know this might be part of the potential message that they were trying to tell um but you know with its imagery but like when you stop and you just watch how they how they are as an individual and how they interact with the environment and you leave them do your thing or yeah. leave them do their thing. They'll tell you a story about themselves. They'll reveal their weakness to you. Yeah, there's some. There is some playing around when there is more environmental things. It's like, okay, I'm over here, and I'll, you know, I'll grab this bird's um, attention, you yeah. know, and I'll just keep firing, and it doesn't seem like anything is actually. I think this is that's the fifth one actually. It, it um, is, yeah. and one it doesn't seem though. like anything is happening at first. But yeah. just out of nowhere, then, you know, with a bit of patience, like, oh, shit, <laughs> this fucking bird is coming straight at me then. And just out of pure necessity, <laughs> you just jump and grab jump. on. Right. So yeah. it's um, and also it, in their, their, yeah. their design, their design is like you're rewarded for just kind of perceiving them. And most of them will have something that stands out. One guy's got a big, bushy beard, probably. You know, that's your way onto him. One guy, the third one, is carrying a huge, massive column, like this stuff like that. I think, I think they're not so complex and unfair in a way because a lot of their uh, um, kind of uh, a lot of the ways you get onto them is is, is the main thing about them, the main, that makes them unique in comparison to the other uh, colossi. And you know, there's even one that your interaction is purely based on, like jumping from pillar to pillar. It, it might be twelve or. 13 or something it's 14 14 yeah he's kind of when he's supposed to be kind of kind of like a tiger or something he's the like second a tiger bull. I he's like guy. he's like the monster that goes after uh princess amidala in uh or padme in episode two attack of the clones there you go there you go There's i can't remember it i remember they're tied to 
a column, right? Exactly. Column there's no, the... And there's an audience watching them and, and they say something snarky to each other like, well, that's what, we're here to save you, Matt. Uh, sorry. Anyway, but, <laughs> but um, yeah. And that's completely different as well. And that one is just like, you you get the high ground and you're jumping on runes and columns and you got exactly to, and he's down below you and you got to make him ram into things to knock them over eventually and that's and that's eventually I don't think it's that you like it's the it's the environment that ends up actually really killing him yeah. rather than yourself you know but it breaks off his armor and then you got to jump onto him and do do a bit of stabbing actually I found that one to tie back to what I said where I you know the kind of how unpleasant killing these um, creatures can feel, you know, where I, even though some of them are aggressive, they're aggressive in a very animalistic way. So it still feels kind of like, I found that one with, you know, my kind of softer, more adult nature that I have than I than when I had back in the day. Yeah, on Friday. You break the plate off his back and then you get onto his back and it felt like I was just savaging him with a sword and it actually felt very unpleasant. It felt like fucking... But that's murdering, the one murdering yeah, you're, an animal. you're almost on his back for the entire Yeah, yeah. Like you're hanging on for your dear life on that one. And it's just those small moments where he slows down the tiniest bit. And it is like, oh shit, I'll I need to take advantage of this. Stabby stabby stabby. And speaking of stabby stabby stabby, if I can just circle back and talk to something talk about something with another way in which it's kind of um we interpret uh the story and interpret our character. I love how it's established in the plot that uh, Wander has this sword that's super important. And it's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why he was able to get to this place he is. And it's one of the reasons why he's able to hold it up to the light and uh, uh, get directed to the next Colossus. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very... Well, there's history. That's a, that's what I like about it, right? It's So to not reference Twin Peaks again, but I fucking will because I can. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's Cooper, uh, Agent Cooper, already having a history with murders that he's yeah. seen before. Um, and uh, just names. Everyone talks about names in that show, uh, like uh, Philip Jeffries, and they just mention <laughs> these names, and you're like, "Who the fuck are these people?" But there's a history there that you don't know, and that's what's interesting. But you, but you can kind of interpret that. Wander stole this sword, and I, what I like through the gameplay is that we don't know much about Wander except for the fact that he has this woman he wants to resurrect. Is it a lover? Is it a sister? We don't know. It's just someone he wants to resurrect. I actually always thought it was his sister. I, I have no yeah. idea. Why. When I first played it, mm. I didn't think it was... I thought it was his sister, yeah. But the fact that you have this bow as well that Wander can kind of, through the gameplay, make crack shot widths. Like, if, if a Colossus rears up and has like a weak spot on his foot, you, the player, can hit that underside of him with an arrow... And that kind of conveys that Wander is like a really proficient bowman. But when you press square to swing the sword, he just kind of swings it and it's not useful for anything. And when you're on top of a Colossus like the one I just talked about and you're just holding square and you're letting go to stab, he stabs in a very kind of desperate way. It feels like he stole this sword and he's not proficient with it. He's not used to it. It feels kind of like, you know... uh, uh, bow, using a bow is an art for him but using a sword is just something you know he's doing for the first time and I just it's stuff like that that is like back in the day that I just kind of learned wow there's many tools in a video game to kind of convey these things rather than out and out saying Wander's good with a bow but not with a sword you know you just kind of learn that interpret yeah, it uh, that, uh, that's a great observation Liam mm. and you know so, something that adds that we did just touch on um adds immensely to the um the Colossus battles is the score and this <laughs> score is incredible it's up and there, it, like without hyperbole it's up there with some of the best kind of action movie oh easily teams you know and, and scores and it you know it uses it appropriately based on the actions of what's taking place right so it's it's almost leveled in like three stages which is the you know the exploration stage where you're walking out onto the canvas and you're like okay you know what's here and there's a sense of wonder to that and then there's a stage of okay the colossus is here and then it builds but then the minute that you mount a colossus it goes full orchestrated you know, bananas <laughs> and that that's what massively adds to the exhilaration and the atmosphere and everything. It is and, unreal. And some of the mel- melodies convey desperation. Some of them are kind of more triumphant and kind of action packed. And uh, 
And then it all kind of culminates in the final Colossus, which um, has one of my favorite final boss teams ever made or just teams in a video game ever made. The theme is called The Demise of the Ritual. And if there's a lot of things, like I said, the way you savage these animals, the way they seem peaceable things sometimes, the way they seem kind of ancient, that makes you, you the player, feel that you shouldn't be killing them. And in the original game, by the time you get to like the 14th or 15th one as well, um, Wander's character design begins, he, he gets more grimy. He kind of, his, yep. his skin is sallow, his face, and they kind of tone that back in this one. Did you notice that? It's yes. not as apparent. It's not as, I don't know, that must be a deliberate choice, but I, I don't know if it's one I agree with. But like, if, if you're not kind of getting the point that maybe, you know, Wander wants to resurrect this woman uh, who we don't know about, and he's clearly... If, if it felt at the beginning a, a just mission, but maybe killing these things isn't such a just thing. If you're because not, every you know, time he, you know, it is worth noting that every time he kills a Colossus, you know, there's, you know, one, the blood is not red, right? So yeah. the blood is black and yeah. it's like jet black and it, it spews whenever Steam, you, yeah, it's like a geyser. Exactly. Ge- then, ge- yeah. You know, post killing of a Colossus, there is a, a confused melody. It's neither, um yeah, you know yeah it's well, not well like put, an achievement well yeah it's there's an indifference to it but then it almost always goes quiet before wander is then absor- uh absorbs what would appear to be the spirit or something of yeah. of the colossus in which he's then transported back to um the central temple and you right? see kind of shadowy figures standing over him kind of looking very you know they don't look like anything yet something about them conveys a certain um i don't know sadness almost and like obviously you link very quickly like after you kill the third glasses there's three shadowy figures watching you as you awaken yeah yeah but if you're not kind of you know getting the point uh throughout the game uh, but then by the time they really hammered in by the 15th one where he looks visibly not monstrous but like i said his skin is sallow he has kind of weird eyes like he's changing into some kind of thing but then to really hammer the point home the final boss music is not triumphant. It's not action-packed. It's melancholic. It's mm-hmm. tragic. It feels like a tragedy. And the final Colossus is the biggest one by far. And he's glued to the spot. He's completely stationary. He's the biggest one to climb. Um, and he's like, it takes ages to get to him because he's shooting lasers at you. So he's not like this thing that just kind of lets you get onto him. But the music and the whole kind of feeling of that fight isn't... I'm at the final boss, you know, I got to resurrect yeah. my loved one. No, it's like, what, at what cost have we got here? Like, you know, uh, what, what have you done? What have you, the player, done? Liam, what I'm actually really happy about, and you don't find this really, is the way we're describing the game makes it almost sound, you know, oh, it's, it's one of them weird indie games. <laughs> yeah. um, but Shadow of the of... Colossus as a commercial entity is actually done really, really well. Yeah, and it, it seems it's talking about it in 2022, you know, the rise of indie games has long been happening, and there's a lot of things that, you know, do so if not exactly, but in spirit, do the things that Shadow of the Colossus do, you know, which is good, which is great. There's a lot of amazing art pieces, you know, um, that are video games. But in 2005, for me. Anyway, I'm not saying it's the only overtly, uh, whatever, artistic, for lack of a better word, artistic game ever made. But for 2005, it really was something special. And it really was something um, very unique. And like, you know, not to sound like a bit wankery, it was very educational for me. Like, I, like I've been saying, very kind of like eye-opening and yeah. inspiring. And I think it's inspired, you know, I, I think with, without it, I, you know, I think we don't have Breath of the Wild. I, I think, you know, it's DNA is all over that game. But even... My DNA is all over that game because I like oh, it so much. Christ. My God. <laughs> um, but I think games like um, one in particular, Journey, actually. Um, yeah. I think, uh, which is another game that I actually um, saw you play. Um, I was there when you finished that. That was an incredibly awkward evening where four men were in your sitting room just crying like babies <laughs> journey is one we should probably will probably cover someday but yeah even the journey is a completely different game than shadow classes i think you're right you can you can trace some kind of rude elements back to it um have you checked out uh pray for the gods no what's this um it's essentially um exactly shadow of the classes but a new game good pray is spelled uh, p-r-a-e-y just so you know 
it's literally the like it's literally the exact well, same. If you're game. gonna like if you're gonna take inspiration, like there's far worse things to take inspiration from from uh, than Shadow of the Classes. Could take inspirations from drugs. Don't, but do don't do well, I'm sure some people Just do. don't do Alice, drugs, Alice in Wonderland. A lot of Disney animators probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, it's always Always a pleasure chatting to you when we get to speak about games that you're just so passionate about. Um, I feel it's a you know a privilege. Yeah, and you know you know what flawed game in a lot of ways. I kind of accept criticisms when I hear them because you know I can imagine some people not having fun playing this game sometimes because of some of its faults. But it's my opinion, and it sounds like it's your opinion too that the faults, though very evident, are kind of buried beneath kind of everything that this game did well and everything it kind of it did that kind of you know inspired me greatly when i was young yeah. out of our hey look listen chainsaw scale how many chainsaws does shadow of the colossus get one one chainsaw which is our highest chainsaw score <laughs> um liam let's round it out there i think this was a good conversation about one of your favorite games uh shadow and a game of the you quite enjoy <laughs> and, a, and a game that i quite enjoyed is correct uh before we close things out um just a thanks to everyone again for tuning in uh hey look listen releases every other week on a wednesday wednesday is our chosen day of release there is no science about it why did we choose Wednesday? I don't know. Did we do? Is. Did we look some analytics or anything? No, no. I think, you, I think you decided. You you were the the Wednesday decider. I have more power than I think I do. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed the show, of course, be kind. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Share it on the book. Share it on Elon Musk's Twitter. Don't um, share it everywhere. Don't do that. Don't don't. It was a very lovely episode, and you're just bringing it down. Yeah, it down no, I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but of course, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks, speaking about a game that we have no idea about yet, because that's how we roll, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, no idea. Absolutely um, no idea. Liam, are you playing anything before we uh, round out? Uh, I'm playing fighting games. <laughs> I'm in a big old fighting game mood at the moment. <laughs> I literally came home, my home home, back to Ireland, and I was like, because I'm around my all my old consoles, and I was I busted out my PS2, and I played Street Fighter Alpha 2 today, and I had a great old time. <laughs> I'm just in a mood. I don't know. There's a Capcom fighting collection that came out today. I haven't bought it yet. I might. Uh, Street Fighter 6 is looking cool. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe some other time we'll talk about fighting games, or maybe not, but may, or maybe I'll just get it in somewhere, you know, but... We've already done Shadow Classes. I'm playing fighting games on. What are you playing? Okay, good, good. I am. Um, <laughs> I got a deadly premonition, as you know. Yeah, I um, think that's on the agenda. That is on the agenda for some I stage. Think, uh, three yeah, and a half uh, hours through it. I'm, let's, put, uh, let's put that as a little hint. Yeah. Uh, deadly premonition, I think, is going to happen on Halo Listen. Yeah. Um, probably most people don't know what that is, but um, there is something for everyone. So check out our back catalogue. Um, Liam, hmm. it was a pleasure, sir. You too, my friend. We will talk soon. And listeners, thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.